If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Greg Kelly Reports. I'm Carl Higby. Still in for him all week. He's off getting some well-needed vacation. All right, folks, a lot of you are probably wondering, how the heck did we get here? I mean, this big government-controlled dumpster fire we're trying to climb out of right now, the same way we got into any major historical societal shift or blunder, creeping gradualism, little by little, and the voluntary giving up of our rights until the government has total control. I mean, look, throughout history, every major blunder historians dissect it, and then we say, hmm, how did we let this happen? Well, professors, it starts with exactly the tyranny we're seeing right now. This is why I don't stand for any of it, and I drew the line, and I'm very firm on that. When radical leaders take power, and that's what Joe Biden is, make no mistake there, when the first thing they do, they create a crisis. Then they offer a government solution for said crisis. They pit citizens against each other. Hello, mask mandates. I think we probably should stop the conversation right there. If we're having a conversation about whether masks work or not, I really believe the rest of this is, is futile because we know that the science shows that masks work. This is a simple, very minor uh, intrusion, if you will. If it's that, even that, all the children in the state have been wearing masks since the beginning. It's not that big a deal. If someone in your family isn't vaccinated, should you ask them not to show up? Uh, yes, I, I would do that. If there's an unvaccinated person, I would say, I'm very sorry, but not this time, maybe another time when this is all over. Vaccinated people should move on with their lives with precautions, but I wish that he would go further to restrict mm. the activities of the unvaccinated because they are the ones who are still spreading COVID and prolonging the pandemic for all of us. Break down society, divide and conquer. It's much easier to oppress a group this way. Then they create a second-class citizen like they just showed. Watch. This is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Well, now they want to lock those not vaccinated out of businesses and jobs, and they want to make your life of the unvaccinated so impossible that you're forced to live like a prisoner unless you comply. Then say, look at how many people did the right thing, they say. We have 99% compliance. That's not compliance, that's tyranny. If you're talking about requiring uh, vaccination to get on a plane domestically, that is just another one of the requirements that I think is reasonable to consider. And I think that's what you're talking about when you heard me make a comment. You know, there's requirements that you might want to get if you want to get into college or you want to go to a university or you want to work in certain places. When you make vaccination a requirement, that's another incentive to get more people vaccinated. If you want to do that with domestic flights, I think that's something that seriously should be considered. Somebody please hand this guy a dictionary. That is not an incentive. That's a penalty. An incentive is a reward. This is coercion. See where this is going? Check out this thing that almost happened. This almost happened here. Here's the headline. New York legislation provides for indefinite detention of unvaccinated at governor's whim. Who oh, can you believe this? The New York, New York legislature proposed a bill earlier this year that would allow the governor to detain, quote, people who posed a health risk, even in so far as long as, they, I mean, look, 
they, they could be removed for just suspecting of presenting a significant threat to public health. It was polled subsequently after Kay Smythe published this article because it went bananas. Oops. I mean, they push the envelope as far as they can get and, and until they get caught. They take the craziest thing off the table so that their next, slightly less bad alternative, seems more favorable. And then they come to Republicans and be like, look, this is our compromise. No, we're not locking you up in camps. Just shut up and wear the ankle bracelet or get a mandatory vaccine. You see what's happening? They say, we're not taking your freedom if you do exactly what we tell you to do. That's not how freedom works. We need a few more steps before they try to bring something like this back again, but it's, is it really that far-fetched to believe that today, that they would do that? Maybe two years ago, but now? I mean, they're already doing it in Australia. Think about it. When in the history of, were the good guys detaining people for in mass for health reasons? And, and never, they never were. Oh, and by the way, the CDC admitted today that the PCR test that can't distinguish between COVID and the regular flu. But yeah, off to the Aussie infected camp you go because the test said so. You see the dangers of an unchecked government? It's, a, it's bananas to me. Think about that. It's happening right now. This creeping expansion of government control right now is paving the way for the next historical blunder. And they keep using fear to mask people from seeing it. I mean, whoever thought five years ago the government would shut down your business? When have they ever had this much power? And you say, oh, it's a pandemic. They had to do something. Remember this? 15 days to flatten the curve. Now we're on what? Just like two years, 600 days to flatten the curve. I mean, once the government takes control, it is very hard to get it back. You think I'm wrong? To go back, I don't know, go back 100 years. Kids used to carry guns to school in some parts of the country. There were never any mass shootings. Now, though, if you brought a gun to school, the FBI will raid your house, lock up your family, and put you on the no-fly list forever. Somewhere along the line, someone used fear of guns to make major legislative changes. Now, shootings are all too common. Taxes, too. I've said it before. Folks, we fought the Revolutionary War over a 2.5% tax hike in a breakfast beverage. Now, how much are you willing to pay in taxes? 30, 40, I don't know, 50% in some of our cases? 50% of your income. That means you work from January to June for free. What changed? I'll tell you what changed. Conservatives, folks like us, we stopped fighting back. We started compromising. And we let the government machine keep taking away our rights. Big government liberals attack each issue separately using this selective outrage for everything. You start to get traction about speaking out against anything they're pushing. Liberal groups will literally show up at your house. This happened to me. They will show up at your house. They'll show up at your place of work. They'll go to your children's school and they will protest you. If you stand up for uh, religious liberty or gun rights or just about any other conservative value, they will call your boss, make false claims, accuse you of unfounded sexual assaults a la Brett Kavanaugh. And they'll write a myriad of borderline slanderous pieces about you. They want you wiped off the face of civil society for eternity. Then they're going to try to, cr they, are, they will crush any bit of resistance to their agenda. And what do Republicans do? They try to get along. We try to compromise. That's why we're losing. This is what Democrats do. They continue to push on every single issue and say, hey, let's just compromise. Good governance. And when the Republicans compromise on that, then the Democrats Keep pushing, and they keep taking. They chip away at your freedoms. They propose wildly insane things like the Green New Deal. Trillions in new spending for what? For nothing. Then we say, oh, well, here, where's all that money going? And then they say, oh, you, you know, if you need this, we need to help people. And if you don't vote for this, you don't support democracy and people will die. They do it all the time, and Republicans cave. And you throw 23 million people off of health insurance. 
people with cancer, people with heart disease, people with diabetes, thousands of people will die. I wish I didn't have to say it. This election is a matter of life and death. Public health is on the ballot. If we don't, Brianna, do this, let me tell you what's going to happen. It's not that just people will die. You're also talking about destabilization of nations and mass migration. These reforms are literally a matter of life and death. <laughs> None of that is true. They just say it to get their point across and to scare people. This is what happens. Weak Republicans give Democrats 50% of what they wanted, you know, to compromise. Then once that passes, Democrats ask for more and get another 50% of that. Then they ask for another 50% and so on and so forth. Trump saw this and the media hated him for it. It was remarkable. But before you know it, you Democrats have everything they wanted, not in one bill, but in many. But who cares? It's the same result. And Republicans still talk about the high road and in the spirit of good governance. Meanwhile, the rest of us are like, what happened to our rights? Why are our taxes so high? Why is inflation 7%? Why am I paying 60% more at the, top, the pump? We got here because people didn't stand up. Because Edmund Burke was right. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. So don't compromise your rights away. Luckily, we do have at least a few people willing to stand up for our rights and not allowing this creeping gradualism and democratic overreach to take place. One of those patriotic Americans is Congressman Greg Stube, Republican of Florida, the freedom state in America. Take a listen to see what I mean. Today, I rise in opposition to H.R. 8. This legislation claims to be a solution to gun violence, yet does nothing to actually solve the real problems that contribute to this crisis. As it stands now, this legislation does nothing to make our schools, churches, or communities safer. In fact, it only infringes on the constitutionally guaranteed Second Amendment rights of law-abiding citizens, something I cannot support. Well, Congressman Greg Stubbe is a fellow freedom fighter. Congressman, appreciate it. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. So... I got to ask this. You're in Congress and you've probably seen this. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Democrats say, I want a, a zillion dollars. And you say, no, we don't have a zillion dollars. I'll give you a billion dollars. And they say, fine, we'll settle on a trillion dollars. And then Republicans say, yeah, actually, a trillion sounds a lot better than a zillion. So we'll give you the trillion. And then they just keep coming back to the well. Am I wrong? Well, you're exactly right. And I don't disagree with anything that you said in your monologue. I agree with everything that you stated before I came on here. And it just happened with this socialized social bill. Bernie Sanders started at $6 trillion and they viewed it a compromise at $3.5 trillion. <laughs> and then they viewed it as even more compromise at $1.5 trillion. That's on top of the $11 trillion that we spent the last 18 months, on top of the $4.3 trillion to fund the budget, on top of the $1.9 trillion that we just spent at the beginning of this year on Biden's COVID bill. And so you're, you're exactly right. They start at $6 trillion, then $3.5 trillion. Again, these are trillions of dollars that we don't need on yeah. social spending yeah. programs that we don't need in our country right now, that we can't afford, that we continue to add things onto our deficit yep. every single day onto our debt, where we have no plan to pay for it. We're not balancing our budget. You and I couldn't uh, run our own checkbooks or yeah. our own businesses that way, or we'd be bankrupt. But the federal government continues to do it, and you're exactly right. We are coming to a year, we're coming into 2022, where we have the chance to take the House. And I earnestly plead with the leaders of the Republican Party and the leaders that are going to get elected to the House to not compromise our conservative principles, to not compromise our American ideals and to stand firm. Mm -hmm. And you're exactly right. We're going to we're going to try to bring a few Democrats along. That's not what they're doing. They're trying to shove through a liberal progressive ideology. They're only going to compromise when they can't get the Joe Manchins of the world to come along with all their progressive ideals. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and uh, you know, I was talking a little bit earlier about like the the, the massive they, they create this tragedy. Okay, COVID. You know, we've just found out that a lot of the people who tested positive for COVID over the last two years may have actually tested positive for the flu, and the CDC is rescinding their authorization that that, that the uh, PCR test is as accurate as they originally claimed it to be. So they created this crisis. I mean, they they really laid in heavy on here. Mandates, vaccines, masks, shutdowns. You you know, you second class citizens if you don't do exactly what they say. And people look around and they're just like willingly, look, Congressman, I'm on the city council of my hometown. I put forward a bill that says, you know what, guys, the choice to mask your child in school is going to be up to you and your doctor and not the bureaucrats. It failed for 141 to 43. 141 people just gave their rights away. And we have seen it in the last two years, and you're right, it started with 15 days to slow the spread, three weeks to flatten the curve, yet here we are two years later (laughs) where vaccines are being forced not only on you, but you just heard Fauci talking about if you wanna travel to see your grandma who lives in another state, you're gonna have to get vaccinated to get on a plane. You're gonna have to get- Kids in New York City. Yeah, you're gonna have to get vaccinated if you work for a a business that has more than 100 employees, which thankfully the courts are, are coming down on the Constitution. And there are members like myself who will continue to fight for our constitutional rights, will continue to fight against all of these unconstitutional mandates. Mm-hmm. But you are exactly right in the sense that Americans have just kind of said, oh, well, whatever, if I have to wear a mask to go in the store, if I have to wear a mask to go on a plane, yeah. which, oh, by the way, a cloth mask does absolutely nothing to stop the spread of a virus, and there's right. science to prove that. But we, we continue to continue to see our rights eroded to the point where we're all going, oh, well, that's not the big deal to, to force vaccines on people. Right. Now, it's, we're not far <laughs> off where they're gonna start forcing our children to be vaccinated for something that they don't need to be vaccinated for. Right, well, yeah, I got about 30 seconds left, but there's a lot of like, you know, the moderate Republicans, and I say most, a lot of Republicans are actually Democrats. No Democrats are, are even close to Republicans at this point. The the, the, the one thing, a lot of people will come to you and say, hey, you know, Congressman Greg Stubbe, you are, uh, you're not very, you're not compromising on the Second Amendment. We need, we need good order and discipline to save lives. And I tell these people, the heck with you. I don't need to compromise. It's, it's my right. I don't have to compromise. What do you say to the people who tell you to compromise your own rights away? You know, it's funny you say that, because when I first got elected to Congress two cycles ago, there was a Democrat that came to me in Florida, and I won't name names. Uh, that, what does that it rhyme with? That. She, she, she said, where can we work together on the Second Amendment to you know, have reasonable gun control laws? And I said, we shouldn't Nowhere. have reasonable gun control laws. We have a Second Amendment to protect ourselves and our family and protect ourselves against a tyrannical government. And the moment you start to erode away your rights as it relates to the Second Amendment, you're starting to erode away our freedoms. And I would never support that. And she was flabbergasted that I wouldn't come to some compromise on some, in her mind, reasonable gun control. Well, what about uh, you know universal background checks? I said, we have background checks. You have to get a background check to get a firearm as we stand here today. So yeah. why would we want to pass more legislation to inhibit law-abiding citizens' rights to, to defend themselves? Yeah, I, I agree. I have hundreds of guns. I can't imagine. I don't think I've ever bought a single one without a background check. Weird how that works. Congressman Greg Stubbe, we appreciate you being here. We appreciate you fighting for the great state of Florida and our nation. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, folks, we've seen this moment spiral into a phenomenon, but the NASCAR driver who unintentionally sparked this inside joke has become yet another victim of cancel culture. We're going to talk about that next.
There's a dangerous movement taking place in America, dismantling democracy, destroying our economy, stripping our freedom. Sean Spicer brings you an all-new book revealing Biden's dangerous plans for America. Radical Nation exposes the plan to turn America into a socialist nation. Oh, my God, it's such an unbelievable moment. Brandon, you also told me I can hear the chants from the, the crowd. Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> what an iconic moment that was. But allegedly, not so much for Brandon Brown himself, the 28-year-old NASCAR driver who unintentionally, unintentionally sparked this viral inside joke reveals to Sports Business Journal that corporations don't want to sponsor him. He stated, unfortunately, when you get dragged into the political arena, people want you to take a side. So it's hard for a brand to want to attach someone who might be involved in that kind of division in their consumer base. It's been a tough to connect with the partnerships and just because it's kind of viewed as a ticking time bomb. Looks like cancel culture strikes again. Let's bring in our next guest to discuss this, Washington editor of The Spectator, Amber Athey. Amber, it's pretty unfortunate. I mean, look, we all know it. we're highly polarized. I would say Joe Biden, who promised to bring everybody together, polarized everybody and brought us further apart. However, that said, you've got innocent bystanders like this guy. This guy literally just standing out there being like, hey, man, just doing doing my thing on this on this racetrack. I'm super excited to be here. And you got this mainstream media reporter who looks over and is like, look, they're chanting your name. You know, let's go, Brandon, when they weren't chanting that. What do you think? Yeah, I think it just shows how tyrannical the left has become, where they bully individuals and corporations yeah. into taking their side. It's really not enough to them to be apolitical or moderate. Anything less than being a full-blown supporter of all of their policies makes you part, uh, part of the enemy class. And unfortunately, they do this on a litany of issues. If you go back just a few years and look at the way the left started talking about racism, it wasn't enough to just not be racist. Mm -hmm. You now have to be actively anti-racist. And of course, anti-racist to them means supporting all of these ridiculous progressive policies and voting for certain pieces of legislation. And all of a sudden, they've managed to make what seems like an innocuous term become part of their larger political agenda. So it's all part of this goal for ideological homogeneity. And they use this type of all or nothing approach in order to get people to comply. Yeah. But the problem is, is when you have this, it's like the hot and cold method. Like you can't be in the middle anymore. And the, everybody goes to their holiday parties and they say, oh, you know, let's not do politics at the dinner table, but literally everything now is politics. I, I mean, everything. And I used to talk to people be like, oh, I don't do politics. And, I, and now I tell them, I'm like, well, politics do you. I mean, are you paying more at the pump? Are you, are the shelves empty? Can you, you, you can't have a conversation at all without something that is touched by politics now, correct? Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, gas prices are really the perfect example. If you even complain about the price you're paying at the pump nowadays, all of a sudden people assume that you are some right-wing extremist Republican, <laughs> when most of the time it's just a normal person who's trying to go about their life and not pay, out, pay outrageous expenses for um, things that they need for their family. Or, you know, they go to the grocery store and they notice the shelf is empty, and all of a sudden that is somehow um, this a crazy right-wing political statement. Right. And it used to be that people were able to talk about these things um, that affect them in their daily lives without it being some implicit political yeah. statement. But I think now that people realize that even just saying something so uh, banal is part of the political lexicon, 
they're going to start moving to the right because they don't want to um, have people make these assumptions about them and their character just because they criticize something that's wrong. Yeah, well, last night we aired an exclusive about the fact that not all heroes wear capes. We had the Oregon dad who was appointed as the Let's Go Brandon dad after his call with Joe Biden on this Christmas Eve where he actually got Joe Biden to say it himself, which is actually bananas to me. But he was talking about getting death threats now. People are calling his employer. People are trying to shut him him out of polite, polite society. Look at it. Listen to this. It's ungracious. It's juvenile. It's reprehensible by the father. Uh, but I don't think it's fundamentally about incivility. I think it is fundamentally about insurrection. Congressman, I mean, that phrase, as you know, is, is right wing code for uh, blank Joe Biden. Just could not have been more gracious. Was uh, was met with an F U on mm-hmm. Christmas Eve. I mean, we had F. Trump for years. We had Kathy Lee Griffin holding up a fake severed head of Trump. We had Robert De Niro standing on stage cheering to an F. Trump chant. I mean, and he says, let's go, Brandon. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, the left used to celebrate this um, idea of speaking truth to power, but it turns out they don't like it so much when it's conservatives who are speaking truth to liberals in power. And unfortunately, this is happening more and more across the board where the people in power, including the media and Hollywood and politicians, are going after these private citizens, normal individuals who are just trying to, you know, take care of their kids and live their life. You saw this in Virginia and it backfired majorly where swarths of parents went to school board meetings, um, protested against some of the insane liberal policies that were being pushed on their children, Mm -hmm. and they were painted by the Biden administration as domestic terrorists. So this is going to backfire spectacularly. If they continue to go after ordinary citizens, they are going to see that these people are more political than they ever dreamed of. And it turns out they're not going to come down on the left side. Well, you know, and, and to your point, it reflects on a new Gallup poll where his ratings were released. Kamala Harris is leading Biden by like ee, the slightest amount here. I said approve 44, uh, disapprove 54. I mean, it is like this is real bad. And how are the what's I mean, maybe that maybe Amber, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe this is their message. Be like, look at how not bad we are and look at how bad the other guy is. I think that's exactly what the left tries to do. They have to call people on the right domestic terrorists. They have to claim that Trump was an insurrectionist to push the January 6th um, attempt to storm the Capitol. They have to say that all of their enemies are are violent. They are going to literally kill you because mm-hmm. they have no message or policies that people right. actually support. Yeah, no, you, know, you and I, we can stand on our soapbox and say, like, the Republican policies are these. Maximum freedom, limited government, lower taxes. You want the right to defend yourself. You can mask or not mask or get the vaccine or not vaccine. The Democrats want to ram down all their mandates to your throat because they know you won't accept them anyway. Amber Athey, I know you got places to be. We appreciate you being here tonight. Thanks, Carl. All right. We're going to expose Biden's hypocrisy on federal government's role in the pandemic and how the crime epidemic rages on across the country when we come back. Look, there is no federal solution. This gets solved at a state level. Oh, really? Well, that was Joe Biden there yesterday admitting that there's no federal solution after promising it for the last, I don't know, year and a half. Huh. What about your federal director through OSHA requiring businesses with at least 100 people to mandate COVID vaccinations? He doesn't make any sense. 
Well, following the appeals court decision to dissolve the stay on Biden's vax mandate by the Fifth Circuit Court, the decision now lies with the Supreme Court where they're going to hear oral arguments against Biden's vax mandate on January 7th. Joining me now to discuss this and much more, former acting attorney general for the Trump administration, Matt Whitaker. Matt, I appreciate you joining me on this because I have a lot of questions. I believe that the federal government does not have a right to tell me that I have to put something in my body. And by removing me from the job market, that's not an appropriate incentive to make it so, no? Well, no, and it's glad, glad to be with you today and, uh, and talk about this issue because I think the Supreme Court is going to uh, do what they do best, which is apply the law to the facts. And in this case, OSHA does not have the statutory authority to uh, issue this type of mandate on employers. And at the same time, I think generally, uh, the federal government doesn't have the power uh, to mandate uh, that people put things into their body. Um, as, as, as you're seeing um, so many um, governments attempt to do, not only here in the United States, but, but worldwide. So I think this is, uh, the Supreme Court is going to give us some clear law on this once and for all. And I think they're going to take away this OSHA mandate. The Fifth Circuit had it right. And if you read that opinion, it is very well grounded as to the, the limited scope that the federal government could do something this draconian. Well, I want to ask you about that because you've seen before where, I mean, look, look at Heller versus D.C. Or, or, you know, any of these decisions that have come down that have major impact. The Supreme Court will inevitably rule on the smallest lane possible they can to avoid from overreaching against legislative purposes and things like that. You know, do you think they're going to rule on just the fact that, hey, OSHA can't do this? Or do you think they're going to actually rule and say, hey, you can't do this at all? Well, yeah, in some extent, they can only, um, if, if, if we believe in our Constitution, which you and I do, and I know many of our viewers do too, you know that uh, there are limited powers uh, that Congress has and that the Supreme Court has and that the executive branch has. And obviously the question presented is on the OSHA mandate. I would be surprised uh, if the Supreme Court goes beyond uh, judging that, but at the same time, they're going to have to build the legal framework to analyze that, which is going to have to talk about the yeah. federal government's powers uh, generally, because otherwise it wouldn't make much sense uh, to, to do that in a vacuum. Yeah. Well, you know, you've seen across the country, there's been this huge, massive crime spike. I mean, it's been out of control. There are places like Chicago. And last night on the show, I talked about potentially decentralizing the federal government because I think that, hey, you know, you have a problem with the border, move DHS down there. Mississippi has the lowest education rates. Why don't you move the Department of Education down there? Pete Buttigieg and his transportation put them right in the middle of I-5 traffic in L.A. But I also said, put the DOJ in downtown Chicago on Murder Avenue. I want to see them in the dangerous place. And you will watch that thing get fixed tomorrow. What do you think? Well, I think you're on to something. I think this is uh, obviously the more people that are outside of the Beltway in Washington, D.C. that are actually in the real world being affected by these terrible policies. I think you're absolutely right. You know, we sent uh, ATF agents to Chicago, uh, and obviously they were overwhelmed by the challenge. Uh, and they've sent, you know, the Lightfoot, the mayor, is asking for more ATF agents. The bottom line is it's a failure of local politicians in mm -hmm. Chicago 
and that is, you know, harming their citizens. And, and until voters realize that the reason that there's not adequate policing and support of the police is because of these politicians, I think we're going to continue to see our major cities uh, spiral downward with, you know, violent crime challenges. But at the same time, I think you're absolutely right. The Department of Agriculture should be forward postured in the Midwest and in, the, in, in agricultural places. And you're also right that, you know, the, that the Department of Justice should uh, have senior leaders uh, in these places living with these problems, because you're absolutely right. Until it affects those people, they're not going to try to solve the problems that, yeah. are, that are plaguing so many of our fellow citizens. Yeah, and you brought up an interesting point. Until we teach voters how to realize this, and, and I, I, I'm, this is the greatest conundrum. I guess if you could solve this, you'd be the king of the world tomorrow, sir. The, but how do you get people to realize that the policies that they have been voting for for many years might be actually hurting them rather than helping them? Yeah, well, it goes back to the Donald Trump, what do you have to lose line uh, when he was speaking to African-Americans and their vote uh, in 2016. And I think you're seeing... Um, uh, a, an awakening uh, among you know these communities that are being afflicted by crime that is directly correlated to the politicians, whether it's defunding the police, whether it's lack of support for law enforcement and backing the men and women of blue or 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 other policies that are making communities less safe uh, mm -hmm. and crime ridden. And you know, I think voters are becoming wise to that. It's going to continue to take some effort in speaking out. I talk about it everywhere I possibly can, but you're you're absolutely right. I think you know the people need to realize, that they're voting for politicians that don't want public safety, that don't want strong law enforcement uh, techniques that make them safer and that protect their neighborhoods. Yeah. Unfortunately, sir, everybody who watches the show does think before they vote. And so the, uh, we, we're reaching our, our, our audience is, is, a, is a very informed voter and a very informed viewer. So unfortunately, the people who need to hear this message might not hear it tonight, but we will uh, we'll do our best. Matt Whitaker, thank you for joining us. Glad to be with you. Thank you. All right. Coming up, we'll go over the record-breaking number of illegals flooding the borders and staggering narcotic seizures from Customs and Border Patrol just in the last 60 days. Don't want to miss this. Real heroes. Real conflict. Real threats. Real heart. Now, there's a place America gets its news. No agenda. Just the facts. Newsmax. Real news for real. All right, so don't be distracted by the Democrats' fear-mongering over this China virus. Right now, Joe Biden is on track to bring nearly 2 million border crossers and illegal aliens into the United States from the Mexico border. He's going to do it by the end of the year. A new analysis from Princeton Policy Advisors. This is shocking to me. What's really startling, though, is that the CBP, CBP seized nearly 100,000 pounds of narcotic since November of this year. That's including meth, marijuana, cocaine, fentanyl, heroin, and a partridge in a pear tree. The, by the way, folks, fentanyl right now is killing more people in America under 45 years old than COVID is. That's the real pandemic. So while all, I mean, the left is worried about all you know, wearing masks and getting vaccinated. Caravans of migrants are literally funneling into this country unvaccinated, untested. They don't have any requirements, along with drugs that are surely taking the lives of many Americans. Joining me now to discuss is the former acting CBP commissioner for the Trump administration and Newsmax contributor, Mark Morgan. All right, Mark, let's break this down. Where are the priorities of this administration? 
Yeah, clearly it's not where it should be, which is the southwest border. Look, Carl, you, you said it best about COVID. We're talking about mass mandates. Meanwhile, there are thousands and thousands of illegal aliens breaking our country every single day that we know at least 25% have COVID. There's no testing and there's no, no vaccine mandates. Let me put it in even more perspective. The first 12 months of this administration, 2 million apprehensions. 2 million. And what, look, that's the most not in 10 or 20 years, Carl. That's the most in our lifetime in a 12-month period. And why you have border toll agents that are pulled off the line to process 2 million, 600,000 illegal immigrants have evaded apprehension and made the wait. And Carl, you not talked about this before. There are very bad criminals among them. You add in the 400,000 turnbacks that, that turn back to evade apprehension, right. that's 3 million. 3 million in 12 months, Carl. That's more than the states of Wyoming, Montana, Vermont, and Delaware combined of three million have tried to illegally enter this country under this administration's watch. Yeah, it's shocking to me. I was talking to Matt Whitaker in the last segment about uh, decentralizing D.C. And I said, why don't we put the DOJ smack dab in murder central Chicago, see them fix that stuff overnight? Well, I got an idea. Why don't we take Mayorkas's office and put a giant window in his office, non-bulletproof, of course, and face it right down cartel corral. I want him to see all these people coming across the Rio Grande with you know their bare belongings on their back. I want him to see how bad this is firsthand every single day and you think you know if he saw that firsthand you think he'd fix the problem he'd have to because look he could no longer push the democratic talking point that is absolutely false and devoid of any reality and truth if he's actually there because look carl what he's going to see is this is about border security first and look you're, you're one of the few uh, individuals out there that really understand that look you talked about the drug overdoses Look, when you have 2 million apprehensions, you've got 60, 70 percent of the border resources that are pulled off their national security line, leaving large areas of border wide open. That's why drugs are pouring in. CDC said in a 12-month period, 100,000 Americans died from drug overdoses. Again, that's the most in our lifetime in a 12-month period. And the majority of those drugs are coming from the southwest border. Human traffic is increasing. Criminal and gang members are getting this country at a faster pace than our history. You're seeing migrants themselves more are being exploited. The CBP has found more dead migrants in the past 12 months trying to illegally cross this border in a lifetime. This is a disaster. And this is about, this isn't a Republican or Democrat thing. This should be an American thing to secure our border. Yeah, I mean, look, I can't go get a cheeseburger or a slice of pizza in Manhattan without showing my my papers, my vax card or whatever. You know, I, I'm not vaccinated. So you know what I do? I don't go to the businesses anymore. And it's, it's shocking to me that that's their priority. That's their priority when you've got drugs pouring in. You have kids dying trying to cross this. You have people paying their last savings of, of dollars. That they've, they've built up their entire life to some cartel nut job to, to carry them across the border and maybe possibly get over there. Our immigration system's clearly broken, but it's not that broken. Am, am I wrong? No, you're absolutely right. Look, and look, although I've, I've been since day one, I've said that this is both a Republican and Democratic bank on Capitol Hill to mm -hmm. pass meaningful legislation to address the, the broken system that we have in the loopholes. Mark, but, let me, hey, let me interrupt mistake. you there uh, real quick. We have laws. Secure the border. That's the law. We don't need a bipartisan solution. Why, why do these Democrats like, subvert the law? Well, that's exactly right. And that's what you have under Secretary Mayorkas. Look, I was going that way. You've got the DHS Secretary Mayorkas that not only is, is not 
abiding by the current laws on the books. He's creating new laws. He's become a, a de facto legislator. But look, there are loopholes like catch and release. But again, even without Congress, Congress could fix the, the loophole of catch and release. But mm -hmm. even that failure, we did. We fixed it under the Trump administration with the Remain in Mexico program. We need to codify that in congressional legislation going forward. So you don't have through executive order or, or secretary to totally open our borders like we see right now. Yeah. No, it is, it is crazy to me. And we're not doing this because we don't like people down south or wherever. We're doing this because, like we just saw that Saudi Arabian guy, he was a, a known terrorist affiliate. He just walked right through our border and was apprehended. He was like, oh, hey, what's up, guys? Oh, do I get free stuff now? That's the stuff we're trying to stop. At, at some point, does it take a tragedy like a 9-11 or something like that that could have been prevented at the border to unfortunately turn this uh, country's view around on it? Carl, unfortunately, I think you're right. I mean, this administration has not just doubled down, they've quadrupled down on yeah. their open border policies. And like you and I have discussed before, this is about border security first. Illegal immigration is just a subset of, of the vast complex threats that we face outside our borders. But mm -hmm. if, you, if you open our borders up to one crisis or one threat, you're opening your borders up exactly. to all the crises that we face and we discuss. That's why this is about border security first. It, it, it's almost like you know what you're doing. It's crazy. Mark, Mark Morgan, we appreciate you joining us, sir. You bet. Happy New Year. You too. All right, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio. It's almost time for him to be out of there, but he's leaving the city in pretty bad shape from major crime spikes, strict vaccine mandates. How's the new Eric Adams going to walk into that office and start making changes? We're going to talk about it next. So seven years later, New York City is saying goodbye and good riddance to Mayor Bill de Blasio. There is no doubt that he will go down in history as the worst mayor of the Big Apple, leaving New Yorkers with dirty streets, homeless spikes, super high crime rates, and enforced vaccine mandates, even on little children just trying to eat a pizza. But don't hold your breath just yet. When the clock strikes midnight on New Year's Eve, Eric Adams is going to stroll into office. What is this going to mean for your city's future? Let's bring in our next guest, former NYPD commissioner and friend of mine, Bernie Carrick. Commissioner, welcome to the program. So you're Thanks, a top cop, all right? You have worked hand-in-hand -hand with mayors. You worked with Rudy Giuliani during 9-11. You understand the dynamic of somebody who served on the force, but also the the, um, the, the dynamic working in office now. What do you think of Eric Adams, and what's coming out of his administration? Well, look, I, I know Eric. Eric was a lieutenant that worked for me. He ran a, an organization called 100 Blacks in Law Enforcement at the time. Um, you know, I, I think he may be a different person today than he was back when he was a lieutenant in that, one, he has seen the city at its best during the renaissance of Giuliani, and he's also seen the city at its worst uh, under de Blasio. Eric Adams also worked for me and Giuliani during the time where we reduced violent crime by 65 percent, the murder rate by 70 percent, where we had the highest murder rate in the history of the country and knocked it down over an eight-year period that was unparalleled in this country. Never happened before and hasn't happened since. He knows how that happened. Mm -hmm. He knows what we did to create it. He knows how to use ComStat. He knows how to use stop, question, and frisk. Mm -hmm. He knows you need more cops in the street. He every, Everything I'm telling you, he knows. Mm -hmm. He knows. Now, will he cower to the left? 
and, and go that route where, you know, he allows governors to implement laws like bail reform, where he allows prosecutors not to prosecute for violent crime. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I hope not. I hope not. All right. Well, so you saw him take a tough stance against Black Lives Matter. OK, look, I work in Manhattan. You live, you're in here all the time. And I want this place to be the best it can be. I remember what it was under Giuliani and you guys and everything you did. Uh, that said, like he took that tough stance up against Black Lives Matter and he says, look, we're not going to be bullied by you guys. Or we're going to be tough on crime. What were your thoughts then? Well, I thought it's look, it's the right thing to do. You can't have a, a domestic terror group um, threatening you, uh, telling you what they want and what they're going to do. And if you don't do it, you're going to have blood on your hands. You know, wrong. You know, you're going to wind up in prison. That's what you're going to wind up doing. Right. Um, and, and I think that's the stance he's uh, he's at, at least expressed. If he holds to that, look, you know, New York City is a big, complicated place. Mm -hmm. um, but. Rudy Giuliani proved it can be fixed. When we were at the worst in the country's history, over that eight-year period, we did things that nobody ever thought possible. It can get done. Mm -hmm. We did it. I, I, I was a part of it. Um, Eric has, Adams has the ability to do it, whether he has the courage to do it and stand up to the left in yeah. these radical leftists, these Marxists, that's another thing. Yeah, ability and willpower are very different in the political lines, as you know. So yeah, the latest exactly. figures that we're, we've been talking about here on the show is that on-duty police officer deaths has hit a record high this year. And I, I, I'd love to know, like, I mean, look, if I could stop all this tomorrow, I would move heaven and earth to do it. But do we, A, like you said, have the political will to make the steps, because it's going to start with baby steps, to stop this type of thing? Because I am done. I am done. I was, you know, talking on another show earlier today. I am done watching the disrespect of police officers because those police officers, black, white, blue, green, whatever, at your worst time, when you pick up the phone and call for help, they will be there. And we need to somehow right. restore that respect back to this. How do we do that? Well, look, I, I think these things shift up and down. Um, but you know what happens, Carl? And we realized this back in 1993 before Giuliani came into office. At some point, New York City was about to implode, basically. Mm -hmm. You know, we were doing 2,200 murders a year, which is more than Atlanta, Gotham Chicago, City. LA, and Baltimore combined today. Mm -hmm. So at the, those times when it was ready to implode, People said, okay, enough's enough. We're going to elect a Republican and get him in here to fix this. When it's at that point, people want change. Mm -hmm. When mothers are putting their beds to bed, their, their kids to bed in bathtubs, afraid of random gunfire, they want safety. So at that point, they'll come out and they'll, they'll go fight for change. That's mm -hmm. what they have to do in Chicago, in New York City, in Seattle, in Portland, in Baltimore, and in these other cities, all, every one of them run by Democrats. Yeah, I got about 30 seconds left, but uh, we're seeing the spike of retirement. So we know the vaccine mandates have, have really hindered this. We know that the political climate has done it. I mean, retirements are up 75% from 2019, 10,000 expected in 2021. We're not adequately staffed in New York and politics have driven them out. What's your view on what the police force should do at this point? 
Well, I think what the mayor is going to have to do is the mayor is going to have to sit with the governor and, and come away with a few changes, changes in the bail reform policies. He's going to have to work with the prosecutors mm -hmm. to make sure they're doing their job. They shouldn't be targeting the cops. They should be targeting the thugs. And then he's going to have to really infuse staffing resources, manpower into the police department, get them back out in the streets and let them do their jobs. And I think they'll be fine. Yeah, well. Former NYD, NYPD Police Commissioner Bernie Carrick, we appreciate you joining us, sir. Good luck. Carl, thank you. All right, folks, we'll be right back. A liberty-loving American takes on Washington, Hollywood, and the whole media establishment. He's Chris Salcedo. Join his fight. Tune in to The Chris Salcedo Show every weekday afternoon on... All right, get this. The left is taking crazy to a whole new level. A company just started making action figures out of some of the liberal heroes we know and really don't love. The hero of the times right now for the left. Look at this. COVID hero, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Of course gets one, of course, why would he not? Despite being very wrong on virtually every single policy ever since the beginning of his time in this pandemic, he flip-flopped his way through basically everything. He totally deserves an action figure. Yeah, I'll put that one right up next to Elf on the Shelf. Well, you can't forget about Nancy Pelosi, of course. And she doesn't have a mask on in this one either, just like the hair salon. But she must get her own action figure. I mean, she is really taking on things for the sake of America. Unbelievable. Folks, that's all we got time for tonight. Do not forget, Stinchfield is next. We'll see you tomorrow night.